But today I want to get into our, our series that we've been going through and kind of walking through John 6. And so if you guys want to turn to John 6 again with me this morning, that'll be awesome. I'll get there in just a second. I'm going to do a quick recap of what we've been going over so far. When we started this off, we saw a group of people who were following Jesus for a show. They saw him healing people. They saw him doing things. So they all came and joined him on the mountain. And that's a, the beginning of John is really is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And where people showed up because they wanted a show, because they wanted the excitement of religion. We saw in, the, in that time that Philip, through faith or through lack of faith, said, hey, all we got five loaves and two fish. But we learned that even when we have a little, when it's all surrendered to God, He can do a lot. And when we give all we have, we have a miracle working God that when He breaks something and blesses it, it multiplies. No matter what you think you have your hands on today, God can multiply it if you give it to Him. The problem with the people there is they were looking for a physical king. They wanted a political king. And so after the show of the feeding of the 5,000 was over, and after they collected 12 baskets of leftovers from five barley loaves and two fish, the people missed the miracle that God had done there. And they were ready to take him by force and make him a physical king. They wanted, and I think today a lot of us want, a Jesus that will bless our plans, not a Jesus that leads our plans. We want a Jesus that will follow us and not a Jesus we'll follow. And as they miss that miracle, Jesus flips the script on them at this point and tells the disciples to get into the boat. You guys go across. I'm going to dismiss these guys. Jesus dismisses them and then goes up on the mountain to pray by himself. We learned last week that just because we're going through a storm doesn't mean we're not, it, we're not being obedient. Because in this story, as Jesus sent the disciples away in the boat, we see a storm that came. And so if you're going through a storm, understand it may not be that you're out of the will of God, but that God is trying to create a character in you that's lacking. We saw the disciples were lacking faith. Fear had taken over their lives. Fear will blind us to seeing Jesus. And that's what was happening to the disciples in that story as, they, as the waves were coming, as the things were crashing around them. They didn't even notice Jesus there with them. In fact, in one, one of the books, I think it's in Matthew, it says he was going to walk right by them. Now, how messed up is that? You are completely freaked out in a boat getting tossed, and, and Jesus is just going to walk by and leave you there. They didn't even see him. And then when they did see him, they thought it was a ghost. Now, I'm not going to blame them because, I, like I said last week, I'd be the same way. I am not expecting somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning to be walking on water to meet me in a boat. And what's one of the names of Jesus? He's the light of the world. He may have had a little glow going on. This 3 in the morning. There ain't much natural light going on in a storm, is there? So you all make fun of the disciples thinking they saw a ghost. You'd probably be the same way. We got the end of the book. You know, we sometimes forget the gospel is just as important for us today 
for those who are saved than it was the day we got saved. I just finished the devotional on that, understanding that the gospel is meant to be, I need to preach the gospel every day to myself and understand the gospel message every day for me in order for me to share it with other people. I've said it before, and I truly believe it. Some of us have been saved too long. And we think we got it all figured out. There ain't nothing about God you got figured out. Ain't nothing about God I got figured out. I know he loves me. That's all I need to figure out. And that's all you need to figure out. But we understood last week as we went through that is the very thing that we can't seem to overcome, the very struggles you're dealing with today, the very addictions you may be dealing with, the kids you may be dealing with, the spouse you may be dealing with, Jesus is already walking over. Jesus is already walking over your troubles and saying, step out the boat. I will carry you across this. Like Pastor Mark shared with us a few weeks ago, some of you all have been walking on water and don't even realize it. Because that's what Jesus does. We make fun of Peter that he sunk. But Peter got out the boat. Too many of us won't even get out the boat to claim the victory Jesus already has. In his book entitled God's Psychiatry, Charles Allen tells this story. As World War II was drawing to a close, the Allied armies gathered up many hungry orphans. They were placed in the camps where they were well-fed. Despite excellent care, they slept poorly. They seemed nervous and afraid. Finally, a psychologist came up with the solution. Each child was given a piece of bread to hold after he was put to bed. That particular piece of bread was just to be held, not eaten. The piece of bread produced wonderful results. The children went to bed knowing instinctively that they would have food to eat the next day. That guarantee gave the children a restful and contented sleep. It seems that regardless of socioeconomic group to which we belong or how sophisticated our palate becomes, every one of us needs to recognize the significance of bread as a staple of our basic human existence. As I read that story, it jumped out to me that sometimes the reason we struggle with fear is we're afraid Jesus ain't going to be there, the bread of life. Sometimes we struggle with dealing with things and we're restful or restless because we forget the bread of life has already been given for us. We forget we have bread in our hands. We forget we're here to help other people. And so as you go to John 6 today, we're going to start in verse 25. Because again, through this whole thing in John 6 as we've gone through it, as we see people in these stories, asking the wrong questions. Now again, I just went over. Jesus fed the 5,000. He sent the disciples apart. He met him on the boat. And when Peter went in the water, he says, oh, get, up, get up, dude, and set him in the boat. And when he got to the other side, it stopped. The minute he got in the boat, storm stopped. They were where they weren't supposed to be because they were blowing three miles off course. Okay? Some people missed that part. They didn't get to where they were going. They were off course when they got there. And the first question, people, and it says in verse, I'll start in verse 23. It says, there came other small boats from Tiberias near the place where they had ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. 
When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? How many of you guys ever done that? You struggle with something, you fight with something, you try to get through something, and all of a sudden it starts to work out and you say, Jesus, when did you get here? Now Jesus understood what was going on. We don't. We don't always understand why we're going through things, but we have a Savior who does. And Jesus, again, I think it's funny. I, how I read the Bible is it's, it's me getting to see what's happening. It's not about me. It's about me getting to see what Jesus was teaching here. And I'm like, I am no different than these people. I guarantee it. I'm going to be following Jesus around. Don't, don't kid yourself. You would too. If you start seeing people raised from the dead, you're going to start following that dude around. And these people are following Jesus around. But Jesus' answer to them in verse 26 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Jesus goes on to say in verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you for him, for on him the Father has, God has set his seal. So the first question they asked was, when did you get here? How many of you know Jesus is always with you? We never have to ask that question. That's why I found it hilarious when that what would Jesus do thing came and was a big deal. Or would you do that if you saw God? If God's, is God next to you, would you do that? He is. What would Jesus do? He would reach out and help people. We use Christianity as behavior modification. And Jesus came to bring heart transformation. This isn't trying to control our behaviors. Because guess what? Y'all going to screw up. I do. Every day I screw up. I know my behavior can't be modified by my positive thinking. But my heart can be transformed when I surrender to Jesus. Most of you people probably not, would not have hung out with me before I was saved. First of all, because most of you people probably didn't go to the bar with me. Or if we hung out for a couple of weeks, we'd have probably gotten into a fight because that's who I was. I had a bad attitude. I was angry. But Jesus changed all that. Not because I tried, but because I gave up. Y'all got to stop trying to follow Jesus and just give up and follow him. Because the problem comes. Let me go through the rest of this quick before I go. Go on. Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the, wor work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who, whom he has sent. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may believe or see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. 
Jesus said to him, to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So dear Heavenly Fathers, we just try to unpack some of this. Speak to each one of us individually today about what you need us to hear. God, you, you do. You say whoever hunger and thirst for righteousness for your name's sake will be blessed. God, so today, open our hearts to be hungry and thirsty to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, what, what I saw in this is I, as I kept reading through this is a lot of times when we ask questions to God, the problem sometimes isn't the question. It's the answer we want. Too often, we aren't looking for the truth that God has for us. We're looking for an answer that will fit our narrative of how, what can make our lives easier. We, we're looking for a Jesus who will follow our plans. We're looking for a Jesus who will say, you're going to be okay. But Jesus, when he met with people, when he saved people, when he healed people, one of the statements that I keep coming back to time and time again for myself is go and sin no more. Jesus never wanted to be added to our lives. He wanted to be Lord of our lives. And there's a huge difference. When we add Jesus to our lives, it's one more stressor that we think we have to do. I get to come here every Sunday morning and hang out with you guys, and I do love it, even in this weather. But the same thing goes for my spouse. I get to be married to her, and I love her not because of anything else, but because of who she is. Too often when we're asking the questions like, what should we do, as they asked here, it's saying, I have to do something to earn your love. And Jesus' response to that was great. Your only work. The only work you have to do is believe in the one he sent. How easy is that? We make Christianity difficult by thinking to act a certain way, do a certain thing, do this, do that, do the other thing, cut your hair this way, wear these clothes, look. And again, what should we do? Do you remember another story of the rich young ruler? Ask the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He starts off, though, good teacher is how, what he calls Jesus. I don't know if you remember that. And this just popped in my head. I, I do not have the Bible memorized. I just know the story. Jesus answers his question with a question. Why do you call me good? There is one good, and that's the Father. When we're asking the wrong questions, Jesus is going to flip the script. He's going to ask us a question back. What should we do? God, what do we need to do to build this church? I guarantee he did not say build a building. He said, follow me. I've said it many times, and I truly believe it. If you go back to David, and David was denied the right to build God's temple, even though it was his dream, David was God's dream. The temple was David's dream. God's more worried about you than what you do. God loves you for who you are, where you're at. So it's not what should we do. 
because what they were asking at this point was, what do I need to do so I can put on a show? Because they said, we want to do the works of God too. You know, we want to feed 5,000 people. We want to heal people. We want to walk on water. So what do we got to do to get that? I want that. I don't want the surrender, but I want the excitement. Jesus said, when you get the surrender, the excitement will follow. When you follow me, things will happen. And so in this, many people were following Jesus for the free handout. They wanted political solutions because they were under the thumb of Rome. They wanted the material goodies. For them, at this point, and for a lot of us today, Jesus is the gravy train. He's going to give us what we want so we can live a good life. That's the Jesus I read about. He's a grace-filled Jesus that would do everything I need to make me feel good about me. But Jesus had just gotten through sending these guys through the storm. The people had watched Rome and saw that they had limited access to help. And Jesus was helping them. So they were looking for that bread of peace. They were hungry. There were homeless people. There were jobless people in Rome. And so how did the government deal with that? They gave them free goodies. Sound like anything you might have heard? How do you keep people quiet? Holding that carrot in front of them. Yep, give me a handout. Make my life easier. And you hang another carrot out. And people will, will follow that. And that's what these people were following at that time. Because the problem with that thought process, the demand will continue to grow faster than you can, you can supply it. The crowd arrived in verse 26. And Jesus responded, said, the only reason you're here is not because of what you saw done, but because you want to be fed. You want more food. How many of you guys have ever put up a bird feeder? Maybe not right now, but in the summertime. Y'all hang up bird feeders? How many of you know squirrels attack those bird feeders? Why? It ain't squirrel food in there. Bird seed. That's what it says right on the package when you buy it. Why do squirrels take it? Because it's a free handout. I, I took some Pam and some grease and put it on my little thing that hung up my bird feeder and watched a couple of them fall off that. You think I'd stop them? No. I, I actually got a picture on my phone. This one was doing acrobats going out to that stuff to get his free food. They will do anything to get their free food. There was no sense of loyalty. The return at this point of what was happening was because of Jesus' generosity and the thought of free stuff. How many of y'all know if you leave that bird feeder empty long enough, they're going to quit showing up? The birds, not the squirrels. They're going to still come around because they, they just think it's always going to be there. But the birds eventually stop coming, don't they? Why? Because they're preparing for something. 
The squirrels are just, that's just who squirrels are. There's a thing that missionaries in third world countries often refer to as rice Christians. These are people who quickly convert to Christianity in exchange for food or for some other physical benefit. The problem with rice Christians is that when the goodies are gone, so are they. American Christians are not so different. There's too many people today who use church for business contacts or for community status. Those rice Christians can be found all over the world. People look for God for what they want and what, they, what he can do for them. And they are quick to turn their back on God when he doesn't do what they want. Jesus told the crowd in verse 27, Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Are we seeking God for who he is? We see Jesus ask the same, make the same type of statement to the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember, he said, he's sitting down on the well and he says, hey, give me something to drink. And the woman like, how are you going to get it? It's a deep well. You ain't got a bucket. And Jesus turns to her and looks and says, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water and you would have never thirsted again. Jesus is trying to tell us He is everything we need. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert for 40 days, one of the questions was, turn these rocks into bread. And what was Jesus' response? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every mouth, by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. Yes, we need physical food for our physical body. But more than that, we need spiritual food for our spirits. When Jesus made the I am statement of the bread of life, he was making more of a statement of understanding that I am everything you need. I will take care of all your needs. In Matthew, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries about for its own. Worry about today and what you can do today. If you jump down in that, in John 6, Jesus starts making, and it, and it actually fits well with taking communion here in a little bit. The Israelites at this point and the Jews at this point were telling Jesus, hey, remember Moses gave us manna from heaven. They misunderstood that it wasn't Moses who gave him the manna, it was the Father who gave him the manna. Okay, So when we get into this where Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, statement which I'm going to get into in a minute and kind of explain that because it's not being literal because if you read it in the context of everything that's going on around this later on he said it's not it's not bread that gives life but it's the spirit that gives life it's not physical eating that gives you life it's the spirit that brings life Jesus makes that I am statement numerous times. I am the living bread. I am the bread of life. They were like, yeah, but we got manna from heaven. And he's like, you missed it. You missed the point of what God was doing. I am the true bread that's come down out of heaven. How do we feast on God? We read his word. 
We pray. We go to church. We get around other believers. That's how we feed on Jesus' flesh. Jesus, when he died on the cross, at the night of the Passover, as we're going to find, as we go to communion, we talk about the night of the Passover, Jesus said, this is my, my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He broke bread and gave him to eat. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus is teaching us it all the time. It says that way back in Genesis it talks about, and then it talks about, I believe it's in 1 Peter, where it says there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Why did Jesus have to die? Because in order to have for forgiveness of sins, the perfect Lamb of God had to be slain. In verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now that last part is key. Because he's telling us he's going to die for us. Because he said, the bread which I will give for the life is my flesh. Now that sounds like to me, because we know the end of the story, he's talking about the cross. Because we know the rest of the story. They didn't know the rest of the story. So these Jews get freaked out and they say, how can this dude possibly tell us we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood and don't one of you think you wouldn't think the same thing? We got the cross. We already know. Even the disciples at this point who were hanging out with Jesus were confused. And it says, Peter's confession of faith, if you jump down to verse 66, which I think is cool too, John 6, 66. Just in case, any of you guys were wondering. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. What's going to happen at the end of the day? Many will be turned from him. Many will turn their back on God. Many will seek things that will tickle their ears and make them feel good. So Jesus looked at the twelve and said, do you want to go away also? <laughs> Simon had a good response this time. We've talked about him sticking his foot in his mouth and other times, but he says, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Some of you need today need to meet Jesus face to face and say, where else am I going to go? You got the words of life. You are the Holy One of God. I had to get to that point in my life. And I think we all need to get to a point in our lives where we just say, okay, God, I got nothing left. Help me. And he will. Now, you'll pay, you'll pay the consequences for your choices, and you'll have to deal with some things, and you'll have to change some things, and it's not going to be easy. But sometimes when we ask the wrong questions and we're not willing to listen to the answers. And if we look at verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So when we go to feed on Jesus' flesh, it's the words He spoke. I'm going to finish this morning off before we go into communion with just a quick story that's really cool. 
Some of you may have heard it before, but it, it kind of gives, gives us the idea of how our perceptions can be off when we ask the wrong questions. It's from Frank Koch on Proceedings. It's a magazine of the Naval Institute. It says, two battleships assigned to a training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. He says, I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported, light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it moving steady or moving astern? The captain called out. Lookout replied, steady, captain, which meant we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman. Signal that ship, we are on a collision course. Advise you to change course 20 degrees. Back came a sig signal. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. Hmm. The captain said, send him, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. The response was, I'm a seaman second class. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, son, I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. And we changed course. Too often the troubles we see, we're asking God to change them when God is telling us to change course. God is asking us to surrender to Him. 